When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, I don't know if you heard or not, but there is a former Buffalo Sabre coming to town on Thursday night. He plays for the Vegas Golden Knights. Have you heard of this this fellow named uh, Jack Eichel? Uh, I, I thought we were going to talk Eichel? about Carrier. Are we not talking about Carrier? I thought, we, I thought this was a Carrier episode. Why do that is the Carrier Carrier. You're right. You're right. That was really silly of me. You know, when we're talking about importance in Sabres lore, William Carrier really tops the list. But no, I am, of course, talking about none other than Jack Eichel making his return to Buffalo and Key Bank Center on Thursday night with the Vegas Golden Knights. Eichel is now 10 games into his tenure with Vegas. Vegas has a record of 4-5-1 and one with Eichel in the lineup. Eichel has seven points in 10 games as a member of the Golden Knights, currently skating on their top line with Max Pacioretty and Chandler Stevenson. As we know, Mark Stone is still out with an injury, and it's very, very possible that he will not be back until the playoffs. So we really... Game we'll one know of the first what round, Vegas exactly. is looking like at full force. What's that? Game one of the first round. Uh, yeah, literally, though. The Kucherov. But Eichel is returning to town, obviously, in, in the news today. Lots of comments and quotes from him. There was, of course, his regular media availability. He also did an extended interview with Emily Kaplan of ESPN talking about his return, his time with Buffalo, how he feels about the team right now. Generally speaking, he had said that there's no bitterness towards Buffalo and that he looks back fondly on his time here, aside from obviously the end, which he had been he had described as messy, which I think is probably putting it a little bit lightly. So before we get into some of the specifics of what Eichel was talking about and just generally speaking, you know, just talking about maybe his time with the Sabres. I mean, what are your thoughts, you know, heading into this matchup towards Jack Eichel? Well, I think it's interesting that the, the Knights really aren't playing that well heading into this. I, I think people would be surprised to hear that. Like they lost to Philadelphia, the Rasmus special line led Philadelphia Tuesday night. And overall, like they're not, they're not going to win their division which is, I think, a little bit of a surprise, at least. I think they, they were favored by quite a bit going into the season. Uh, they're th- In fact, they're third right now that I'm looking at this. They have 68 points in 58 games. Like, they're in the playoff race for some reason. I know they had a slow start, and then they – it seemed like they were going to run with, away with the division for a while there, and now they've been kind of cold again for, well, for a few reasons. But, right, but- and we have, of course, probably the hottest team in the NHL right now, the Calgary Flames, too, who sit atop of the Pacific Division with 75 points, followed by Los Angeles, 
And, and there's not even a discrepancy in amount of games played. They both have played 58 games with Los Angeles having 71 points and Vegas having 68. And then right behind Vegas, you have uh, Edmonton, 57 games played, 64 points. Anaheim, 59 games played, 63 points. Vancouver is still hanging around with 62 points. And then after that is San Jose, but they're pretty much out of it at this point. So you still have a few teams, too, who are, who are hanging around there in those four to six spots in the Pacific Division. But, yeah, it, you know, you would think injecting Eichel in the lineup, like obviously it's tough losing Mark Stone considering he is a world-class player. And Eichel, of course, you know, he's starting to come on a little bit more as of late. But Vegas is – not dominating in the way that we all had said, as you had just said, they had a loss to the flyers in the month of March, they're three and two right now. So bit of an interesting road ahead for them to see how they're going to be able to, to weather the storm and having, you know, not even the, for one, not having the luxury of being atop the division, but two, you have three teams that are within six points of them all kind of hanging around in the background there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really strange thing. And, you know, was, I was going to mention the Mark Stone thing as well, but he's been in and out of the lineup all year. Right. Uh, and, like, Leonard has been hurt too. But, but, yeah, I don't know. They just really have not been that great. And I, I figure they they should be primed to kind of take off. I look at their roster. Like, as long as Leonard's playing okay, now that I believe he's back, uh, you have Eichel, who is playing mm-hmm. pretty well. You don't have Stone, but, like, you still have the one of the best lines in hockey there as well you still have like i would consider decent depth you have guys like mcnab and carry a former savers who ended up being like decent depth pieces and then you have guys like you know shay theodore uh chandler stevenson uh or wait is that the wrong chandler that i have oh yeah chandler stevenson yeah stevenson yes uh, correct chandler uh you have guys like that up and down the line then you have like alex petrangelo shay theodore yeah shay theodore like you have you just all these like really talented. This is an unbelievably talented team. I think Colorado has more firepower, but like this should be right there, and they're really not. And there's not, and I'd have to look deeper into this. It doesn't look like there's too much of a like obvious bad luck thing going on, unless I'm maybe there is, and I'm mistaken. Well, I, and- I could look more into that, but it's I don't know. On the other hand, uh, they're way friggin' better than the Sabres. Yeah, they're so much still so much better than the Sabres are playing right now. So obviously they're favored, even in Buffalo. Like I'd be surprised if the Sabres pulled out the win. So yeah, that's where I am with them. Do you want to talk about, I don't know, one player more specifically, should we talk about Braden McNabb? Yeah, Braden McNabb, of course, the Braden McNabb revenge game. Well, and I just want to also add into with the caveat that Pacioretty and Stone have had limited amount of games this year, and both of them are are playing at a point per game clip right now. But what's interesting, too, about Vegas is obviously, you know, it's easy to say, like, oh, taking those guys out of the equation. But for guys who have been there for the full season, their leading score right now is Jonathan Marshall, who is 43 points in 52 games, followed by Chandler Stevenson with 42 points in 55 games. And it's kind of funny comparing that to the top two point scorers for the Sabres are Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner, who have 42 and 41 points. So if Tage was on Vegas right now, he would be second in points and Jeff Skinner would be fourth in points. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's Rasmus Dahlin has more points than Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo as well. It, that is so weird. What isn't it strange? I don't know what to make of that at all, honestly. Like, I don't know. Some of these guys overrated or is their coaching overrated or like, cause I'm looking at right now, like you would figure based on the lineup, they'd be good at preventing and scoring goals. They're not top 10 in goal scoring this year in the NHL. And I'm going to look at goals against right now. And they are. Let's see here. Goals against 
Uh, also not in the top 10. They're, they're hovering between 12 and 15 on both of those. Like that yep. is, that is so strange to me. Like they, they should be significant. They've gotten more talented every year. I don't, I don't understand that. It's very, very strange. Yeah. It, it, it's a weird year for them, but again, though, let's, we have to keep in mind. I mean, you've been missing patch ready for about half the games this year. Same can be said with Mark stone and, you know, sure. They may not look good now, but then <laughs> a first line of Eichel stone and patch in the playoffs. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, that'll be good. I mean, when all those guys are together, that'll be, that'll be awesome for sure. Well, and I think uh, it also begs the question too. I almost wonder, I mean, obviously, you know, you get a guy like Jack Eichel, one of the best players in the league, but part of me wonders, like, do they eventually try and split that up where they retain the first line that they've had for the past two years and Pacioretty, Stevenson and stone. And then, to spread out the scoring a little bit, you put Eichel on your second line. I mean, I don't know. Cause then it's well, like, you know, do you put Eichel? It'd be with like Dadnov, And I guess it would depend on breaking up the, the Carlson Smith and um, Marsha show line. But I mean, even William Carlson really hasn't been that good for them this year too. He only has 21 points in 43 games and obviously points aren't the be all end all, but for a guy that's a couple of years removed from being a 40 goal scorer, it's a bit of a yeah. fall off there. That's one thing that I think definitely is a problem for them is that William Carlson is just not the guy he was that year. And I think we knew he'd at least be like, not exactly that guy, but like. He's man. playing under a 40 point pace right now. Yeah. That's, that's brutal. Especially the, the goal scoring side, like March so is the only one who has 20 goals for them right now. And like other guys have fallen off a little bit, the pace. I mean, Riley Smith is not the score he was a couple years ago when they got him. Of course, there is a, a nice uh, soft landing spot they could have for Riley Smith. I can think of, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like th- this, they, some of these, uh, this is a team that's built to win. Now I know they, they had a lot of draft picks they acquired through different trades they made during the expansion draft. And I'm sure there are some young guys, but and Eichel in fact is only 25, but like, you know, some of these guys, Pacioretty, Pietrangelo, uh, Riley Smith, not young guys, stone stone, not exactly a young guy either. But yeah, I agree with you that when Stone and Pacioretty are healthy and that Eichel is all the way back, this will be uh, quite a team. I mean, Eichel right now, like we said, points are in everything, but seven points in 10 games is not the Jack Eichel that we know. Right. Uh, and he also and then, said that he's not at 100% right now, too. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be back to 100%. Maybe not this year, but the playoffs are almost two months away, so he'll have that opportunity. Uh, I think it's interesting, Brendan. You know what came up with my time hop today? Uh-oh. Uh, it's, it's quite something. It's, um, uh, Don is either Don Granato or Ralph Kruger. I don't remember if Kruger had gotten fired at this point last year. I think it was, I believe it, or it might've been Kevin Adams. Either way, it was someone with the Sabres in a press conference saying, uh, Ike will be out a week at least. So. Well, everybody, this has been another episode of straight up Sabres. Thank (laughs) you all for tuning in. Oh, at least a week. Yeah. Um, it's also the one year anniversary or this week is the one year anniversary of, Oh, well, that's good for Jeff Skinner who has seemingly measured his entire career on goals. Like, yeah, thanks Ralph. As do winning hockey games too. That's how hockey games are measured as well. Scoring goals. Wow. Can you believe that he was our coach for that long? It wasn't even two full years. <laughs> it, it certainly felt like more than that. Yeah. In- Furthermore, let's if we want to keep doing uh, in today's date in history, two years ago, uh, your boy Rudy Gobert 
touched like, all the microphones in a press conference and then tested positive for COVID two days later. I don't think that I have said Rudy Gobert's name out loud more than five times in my entire life. So we're using my boy very generously there, but we'll take it. I just figured you're both tall, so you probably you probably get along. Rudy Gobert probably has like at least six inches on me. Right? He's a seven-footer, isn't he? Yeah, what are you, 6'5"? Six, 6'4". Six, yeah, he probably, I would say, I think, yeah, he probably is about eight, eight or nine inches on you. So at least seven, yeah. Don't do that. I'll start pairing you up with small people. Wow. Am I, uh, am I, do I remind you of Ish Smith at all? <laughs> Some resemblances. I mean, you're looking sharp in your tie right now. So I guess I'll give you that. Thanks. So, yeah. So looking back on this, good uh, transition, this, this hockey business. Yeah. Just saying so. Um, <laughs> we have this, we have this, uh, this game and, I don't think it's going to be very heavily attended because no games have been heavily attended uh, at all this year. And I don't know what could make that actually happen uh, short of the Sabres going on a 30 game win streak to close out the season. Right. They don't even have 30 games left. So, well, didn't they just pass the bandits too for like cumulative ticket sales for the year, like per on a per game basis. Yeah. Not cumulative. It has to be per game. Not cumulative. Sorry. I meant on a per game basis. Excuse me. My bad. Yeah. Well, the bandits are good. So, and it's a fun atmosphere. I think the Sabres could, I know the Sabres. What do you mean? You don't think morgues are fun? (laughs) Well, it depends on the occasion. Who doesn't love a good funeral procession, you know? Looking, looking at this one, like it, the Sabres are probably going to lose and Eichel will be here. I don't know how to feel about it. I think a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions on Eichel. Uh, Do you? No, not really. I don't know. It's a, I, I'm pretty ready to move on. Like that era is a lot to look back on. And you think he deserves like, to be booed? Eh, if people want to boo him. I don't care. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. Booing isn't like some like travesty that you can't uh, possibly come back from, or like some like it's it's just p- people making a noise at you. I don't know how how bad could it be. Right. I don't I don't care. Like I don't I don't know if he's really wronged Buffalo in any real way. I mean, he did want to get traded before his injury, which that's what I was going to also bring up. He's conveniently leaving that part out where he's saying, Oh, I don't know if I would still be there or not, or maybe I'd still be playing there. It's like, bro, you wanted out before last season even started. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he, he admitted that he offered that as a kickoff to like, uh, like a potential rebuild. Like, if you guys want to rebuild, you could always trade me. Like, so I, 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 he's, he's definitely leaving all that out. And he, he also like, I don't know. I, when it comes down to it, I don't, I don't, it's hard to like hate him for the surgery thing. Like that's still so complicated. I still think uh, in some ways, both sides had decent points, although it's, oh, yeah. but like, I just like, we watched the game the other night with Sam Reinhart uh, and the Florida Panthers beating the Sabres six to one. And I still have some affinity for Sam. Like mm-hmm. I, like, I really wanted him to succeed. And when I, you know, I'm excited for him, even though it's really painful the way his era as a saber ended and how, how dumb that was and what a, how symbolic that was of the failures of the previous administration. And I don't feel that way with Eichel really at all. And I don't know why, because I like, I bought a Jack Eichel jersey and he was incredible to watch. He's easily the most talented offensive player the Sabres have had since LaFontaine and McGillney. You said that two years ago, Taylor, you had said that he was in your top five favorite Sabres ever. True. I did say that. And it's purely on the ice stuff. Yeah. But like, first of all, when you're you're doing that, that he was at the insurrection. 
<laughs> well, you know, someone had to sell water. So <laughs> that was like th- that stuff. I don't like, I don't really care as much about. Like, I don't, I don't care. Well, I guess I would say this when I was watching Michael, I watched him and I was like, this is awesome. He was just an incredible player to watch. And I, I think I compared him to A-Rod being on the Yankees and me being a Yankees fan. And then everyone turned the podcast off like they're doing right now. <laughs> um, but like, it, it's just something it, 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 I guess rare as a sports fan to be able to watch a guy like that on your team. I guess part of it is too, that I, I feel like there's always a need to defend Sam Reinhart, I guess. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like there was, there was definitely not never enough appreciation or understanding of what made him special. And now people in South Florida are seeing that with Eichel though, I guess when it comes down to it, I find him pretty unlikable as a guy. I think yeah. there's, there's an easy part to like about him, which is he had a little bit of spunk to him. Like the, you know, the cool like celebration he used to do, especially when they played Toronto and you could tell he wanted to be one of the NHL players that wasn't like a, a totally boring guy. But then there's also, I don't like, I don't know how much I can interrogate that with myself, but I look at him. I just don't, I don't really like him that much. And maybe you can always ignore that when that guy's in your team. And then when that all falls away, you have to decide if you like someone or not. Like I could, I don't have any obligation to like uh, Nathan McKinnon. Right. Mm -hmm. But I kind of do because he's kind of insane. Uh, (laughs) A little bit. And he, he hates, like hates carbs. Hate this guy will kill you if you eat mayonnaise. I know that's an interesting thing. Like, listen, I don't hate carbs. I mean, I had a donut like four years ago. Okay, (laughs) I like to get a little wild. Yeah, but but like, yeah, with Eichel, now he's on the team. I don't have to like him. And I also, on the other hand, a lot of people seem to be blaming a lot of stuff on him. And look, the reason the last seven years have gone the way they have is not Jack Eichel's fault. Like it's the opposite of his fault. Like he played really well, and that's all that matters. Like I don't know if he was a good leader or captain. Seems like he probably wasn't, but that didn't matter. Like you before you before your leadership can has to matter. You have to have the requisite amount of talent to compete in the NHL, and that can all fall apart without good leadership. But there was nothing to fall apart. They never had a real NHL team for various reasons. Right. They were I it always felt like the drought era Bills. They're playing whack a mole. Like. Uh, we have goaltending. We don't have a second good center, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. Now Jack Eichel's a good center, but uh, O'Reilly's gone, and now Leonard's gone, and he's good somewhere else. All this stuff. We played Carter Hutton more than Linus Allmark for some reason. Like, things like that. So, it, it's on the other hand, it's not his fault what happened, and I don't blame that on him. I blame, you know, Jason Bottrell and Pagula and Kruger and Housley. Right. Right. So, that's yeah. that's mainly what I think about it. But on the other hand, I don't really care if he does well. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't, don't have any opinion either way. I think you bring up some really interesting points there just to kind of touch on a couple of them. One being the difference between how people feel about Sam right now, as compared to how they feel about Jack. Um, You know, I, I completely agree that there is real sentimental value in how I view Sam and how I hope that he does. Like, I hope that he does well. And I, and you're right. I think a big part of that is the fact that, a lot of people were having to unnecessarily defend him. Like there shouldn't have been any scenario where people were trying to call this guy out. I mean, yeah, I get it that he's the highest paid uh, Florida Panther right now by at least $8 million, but you know, (laughs) jokes aside, (laughs) what it comes, what it comes back to jokes aside though, is that Sam always was good. And he was, he had his struggles. Don't get me wrong. But like after January of 2020, after the winter classic, 
there was January no... 2019, right? 2019, excuse me, 2019. After... No, no, 2018, January 2018. That was, was it really? Yeah, I don't know why I said yeah. 2020. Was it 2018? Okay, whatever. After yeah. the Winter Classic, though, there was no justifiable criticism of Reinhardt that anybody could have had, yet we still had to deal with it. Everybody who was watching these games with good faith and was analyzing this team in good faith could see clear as day what Sam brought to the table for this team. And then it was night in and night out. He wasn't as flashy of a player as Jack by no means, but Sam was consistently good on both ends of the ice. And you saw so much of the little things that just stood out in his game. That was like, wow, this is a really, really valuable player who, if you move him, you're really not going to be able to replace what he does. Not even just on the score sheet. It's the little things too on the ice. And with Jack, it was always, we always knew how good he was. Like there, you know, there were points where we had to talk about, you know, the developing of his defensive game. I mean, that was definitely a big, big topic. And that especially came to the forefront last year after he was playing through the injury a bit because he was compensating for not being able to do everything that he could on offense because of how limited he was. But we always knew what the talent was with him. We knew he was great. And I think early on, rightfully so, everybody did buy into the hype around him. You know, he definitely gave off the vibes of being an asshole. I don't think that there's any denying that, but we were able to overlook that because we were just caught up in the excitement of everything. You know, he comes into the mix and you have O'Reilly, you have the Kane trade, you know, Reinhardt's there. Now you have Ristolainen who still had a lot of promise at the time. And from the start, I mean, I was there that night, his first game against Ottawa. And when he scored that goal, his first goal of his career. I mean, it was, yeah. it, it just felt like we had a turning point. It, it felt like things were finally different. And it's kind of funny to think that at that point, we were like, oh my God, it's been four, four or five years of this. Thank God we can't take any more of this now. Like we finally have this guy, we're turning a corner. And well, little did we know, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it, 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 that was not the case. We did not turn a corner at all, but it really did feel different with him. And you know, when I look back, a lot of it, there is a lot of good there. I don't think you can deny the guy's talent. I don't think you can deny the fact too, that he was committed to Buffalo while he was here. Like he had said publicly many, many times that Buffalo was his new home. He was invested in the community. He did a lot for the community. And I think that off the ice in, in that sense, in like a PR sense, he really did act the part of a captain, you know, which, which was great. However, I don't think it's unreasonable for anybody to raise concerns as you had before about what his leadership ability was on the ice and in the locker room. I think it's absolutely fair to say that it was lacking. He, you know, you had also talked about the fact that he had asked for a trade before and now that he's kind of trying to rewrite history a little bit. Um, you know, we hear the reports of, of, you know, former player, who was it? JS Dia who had said the thing about in training camp that he felt like he wasn't a good leader um, yep. you know, and, and you just kind of got the sense of that. I mean, it's in interviews, you could see it, you know, there was obviously, you know, you had the times where I remember specifically, there was a couple of instances where, you know, there were clips going around of him, like putting his arm around Olafson or like looking at, a, uh, one of the iPads with Darlene or something like that. And like, yeah, that's one thing, but it, it just felt like it wasn't consistently there. And I think that, Again, not to, you know, revisionist history or anything like that, but I think if there's one thing in terms of his leadership that I gained 
from his tenure as a Sabre is that Ryan O'Reilly should have gotten that C. It, it should it, have been. Well, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Um, so, you know, getting back into it though, as far as him getting booed, it's tough because I, the guy, you, you can't deny the fact that given his talent, the guy did give it all he had when he was here. Like he tried, he produced, he lived up to the expectation. I mean, sure. He had his deficiencies, but at the time of him being traded and, and leading up to it, everybody very confidently was saying that this guy is a top 10 player in the NHL. He established himself as that here. There's no denying it. Like he was great here. He, he was really good, great enough to be considered a top 10 player. We'll put it that way. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's nice that he's not, I guess, trying to like burn the house down or anything like that with some of his interviews. I, again, I don't love the fact that he's, rewriting history a little bit and conveniently leaving out the fact that again he requested a trade before this injury stuff happened but to kind of put a bow on it I guess at least for this portion of it you know it's it's unfortunate the way that things turned out with him I mean it sucks it sucks that it had to get to this point that him and Sam were traded in the same offseason you know in a perfect scenario you would have had a competent enough GM who would have saw what you had in those two core pieces and been able to properly go out and get the supporting cast that they need while they're in their prime. And they just flat out didn't do that. And the organization failed Jack Eichel more than Jack Eichel failed us. I think that that's kind of the, the main takeaway that I have from this. I have my personal issues with him. Absolutely. I don't think that he was a great leader. I do think that he's an asshole. I think looking at some of his liked tweets, like really like around the time of when the pandemic started and when like black lives matter protests were going on and seeing that he's liking these tweets from like Donald Trump and Donald Trump jr. And all these like weird far right things. And then the weird Instagram story that he had posted too, while the protests were going on. It, that's it, the it, one that stuck sticks out to me. Cause I try to ignore a lot of that stuff, but like what it said was instead of protesting, why don't you just be better fathers? Okay. Well, he shared that on his Instagram. Nobody cared. It, it was barely a thing, but like horrendous. I think there's, I, I could do a whole episode about why that annoyed me, but I didn't. Right. But again, I though, didn't it's do like, that episode. That was I? all stuff, though, that really started to chip away at it. And, Definitely. you know, I, I think things were obviously really bad last year. And I know I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I know that people, I, I understand for people to be like, oh, it's meaningless. They still suck. But like, it really does feel like the camaraderie around the team, like the team is just as bad as it has been over the past handful of years. Like they are bad now. They have been bad, but it does feel like there's more of a sense of optimism, I guess, in the room. And I'm not trying to say that correlation equals causation, but part of me does kind of feel that way. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Well, we have some other things to talk about, including an interesting game coming up this weekend. Uh, but yes. first, let's hear from our sponsors at DraftKings. So the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. Uh, as the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So 
Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, uh, restrictions applies. Uh, and then uh, also, uh, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, uh, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in LA, 877-HOPE-NY or texting HOPE-NY at 467-369 in New York or in Oregon, uh, visit opgr.org, uh, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789 or, sorry, 1-888-9789 or 1-888-532-3500. And then uh, you must be 21 or older uh, in physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, LA, uh, excuse me, Louisiana, Michigan, New, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only, minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. That's a longer ad, huh? Anyway, so the NHL uh, season thing that starts here, Brennan, it says uh, it's been packed with uh, dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. I don't know what counts as a big win in the NHL regular season, but I don't know. Have you noticed uh, like an uptick in like really high scoring games this year? I have noticed that actually. Okay. Also, Nick Schmaltz, what, what is going on there? But did he have a hat trick last night? By dude, two, two the dude night? has like 11 points in his last two games. <laughs> that is absurd. Ridiculous. Like, uh, there was what? Um, Dylan Strom and Patrick Kane both had hat tricks last night too. I think Matthews also had a hat. Like what's going on? Yeah. Um, so last night by last night, we mean Tuesday. So that's two right. days ago for you guys. Listen to this teams in the NHL scored one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, nine, eight goals. Whoa. Nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine goals in a game. Uh, the devils beat the avalanche five, three penguins, Panthers, four, three Maple Leafs, Kraken, six, four coyotes beat the Red Wings nine to two. Wild Rangers 5-2, Jets beat the Lightning 7-4, the Blackhawks beat the Ducks 8-3, and the Capitals beat the Flames 5-4. It's almost 100 goals scored. I didn't mention some of the lower scoring games here. Yeah, like the Blackhawks, terrible. Eight-goal game, which is they just actually recently had one. The Coyotes, listen to this, the Coyotes had a nine-goal game wherever they just had an eight-goal game, and now they scored about 12% of their goals in their past two games. The Devils scored five goals on the Avalanche. What a weird day. What is going on? Well, one of those teams I mentioned, the Maple Leafs, uh, no surprise to see them score six goals. Uh, But we will be seeing them Sunday in the Heritage Classic outdoor game up in Hamilton. So I know we beat them. We we recorded the third period live recently. Uh, But that's usually in Buffalo that we're able to beat them. Usually. Uh, what do we think of uh, seeing them at a neutral type place? I mean, I would like to be at the game. Like I would have liked to see it. I don't know. I'm it's, it's interesting. I mean, it should be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
What are your thoughts on the jerseys, actually, before we kind of get into it a little bit more? I have not looked at them in a while, so I'm Googling that right now here. Yeah, take a look jerseys. at them. I'm curious. I mean, like the Sabres ones I thought were – I like the off-white uh, that they did with it. I think that that's kind of cool. It was very – It's pretty sharp. Yeah, it's a straightforward design. I feel like my issue with it is they went very basic with the striping on it, and I would have liked them to then do something like a little bit different or like weird with the logo. Or if you're going to keep the logo, then do something weird with the jersey striping. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have just liked to see some kind of like a contrast with that, but they kind of played it safe with both, which I didn't love. But again, it's really sharp. I like that like the striping on it as it is. And I, I'm a big fan of the off white color too. So that's kind yeah. of, yeah. And it. Toronto's look pretty sharp too, honestly. Oh yeah. They do. They definitely, I mean, it's going to look great on TV. It's definitely going to look real good. Yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Big. Uh, it, it feels like this has not been much anticipated locally or nationally. Uh, I don't know if you, if you disagree, but like, I think this is something that, uh, Outdoor games used to be a little more exciting, and there aren't a lot of them in Canada. I know that the original Heritage Classic back in the early 2000s uh, predated the outdoor games, but this is a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting thing, isn't it? It is. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's cool definitely- to be a part of it. I know the team sucks. Unfortunately, <laughs> we will have uh, after this game in the past 14 years and change, we will have three outdoor games and zero playoff series wins. That makes me feel awesome, Taylor. I, I really, it's a great <laughs> reminder. Yeah. I think the thing is, I was at, I think you were at two of the game in 2008 on January 1st against the Penguins. The first I was not at that game. Oh, first winter classic is very, I'm sure you remember it. It was very exciting. Uh, a lot of memorable moments came down to the wire. I don't remember uh, one single thing that happened in the 2018 outdoor game. I remember the only thing I remember is the picture of Sam Reinhart throwing a snowball at Ryan O'Reilly. That's it. Wow. That's the only thing I got from it. Yeah. And the jersey. I, I thought the jersey was pretty sweet. I like the double stripe on the jersey. And the Sabres playing a home game in at Yankee Stadium. So because dumb. of James Dolan's weird contract with with himself or whatever. Or is it with the city of New York? I don't know. I don't understand that how a guy it must be a city funding thing because he owns the Rangers and he owns Madison Square Garden, but whatever. <sighs> anyway. It's strange. Yeah, so we'll have more on what the Heritage Classic actually ends up being on Monday's episode, which yeah, well, we're just saying now it's going to be coming out on Tuesday. Right. Yeah, we uh, have another scheduling conflict. Taylor, again, my, my traveling man over here is going to be out of town, so we're going to record Monday so that we could properly talk about both Eichel's return and the Heritage Classic. Yep, should be interesting. Uh, before should. that, so I I was kind of talking about the league in general earlier, and I like looking at this chart. It, uh, it's a hockey reference. Has it the league average and goals goals per team per game? Uh, it basically tracks how scoring has gone. So I I had a hunch basically looking on scores and every night, you know, looking through ESPN like how how much each team scored and whatnot. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, scoring is really uh, getting back up there. I don't know how much that's being discussed. But, We're talking about it. We've yeah, been talking about it. We have, but I just want to give an overview because I'm kind of surprised about this. Do it. Uh, for those of you that uh, are fans of hockey, you probably know. I'm not going to surprise you by saying scoring peaked in 1981-82 season. Four goals per team per game. So eight goals total Ooh. per game. So that was eight per game, four per team. Got, that's crazy. <laughs> four goals mm-hmm. per team. Every team in the NHL, the average team was the this year's Florida Panthers. 
that's wild. Uh, and then it went down. It was never that high throughout. It was never that ex explicitly high again, but it was pretty high throughout the 80s. Went down a little bit in the early 90s. Uh, 92, 93, a season we remember fondly. 3.63, still pretty high. Still more than seven per game total. And then dipped hugely the next year. Dipped all the way to 3.24 and then the 2.99. So all of a sudden it went from over seven to just under six. That was the lockout shortened year. And then right. jumped back up in 95, 96 to 3.14. You might remember that as the last season that the Penguins really were an incredibly good scoring team with uh, Lemieux and Yager. Uh, that was they lost the the conference finals to Florida, the Florida Panthers, an underrated moment in NHL history of teams realizing they should just try to do everything to prevent the other team from scoring instead of trying to score itself. And the effect was obvious because it went from 3.14 goals per game to 2.92, 2.64, 2.63. Eventually, all the way down 0304 was 2.57, barely five goals per game. So it gone, dropped a whole eight goals off in about 20 years. So the season people might remember, 0506, scoring jumped again after the lockout, the season-long lockout. Mm -hmm. It did. It went up to 3.08. Huge jump. Here's the thing, though. Power play goals went up from 0.7 per game to 1.03. <laughs> That's insane. That's most of the jump by itself. That's nuts. Yeah. So it's, I mean, looking at that, then it's non-power play goals were 2.05. They went from the high ones to 2.05. I mean, that's, it was barely a even strength jump. And then, the next year, power play goals went back down to 0.85 and then 0.76. So it's basically back to where it was. And scoring started to drop again. So if you're a fan, you might remember uh, around the beginning of last decade, started to drop. You're right. 2.73, 2.72. Uh, the year where no one scored 90 points, 2014-15, it was 2.73. It was even ben, lower. Right? Jamie Benn won the Art Ross with 87 points. It was even lower the next year. It was 2.71. And then you see a jump. 2.77, 2.97, 3.01, 3 3.02. Dip last year in the weird season, 2.94. And now it's up to 3.09, the highest it's been since 95, 96. Wow. I mean, scoring is higher this year than it was in 94, 95. It's higher than it was in 96, 97. It's still nowhere really near what it was in the early 90s and late 80s. But yeah, but I mean, given where it was at, dude, like I, I just think about you, Taylor, like, the first season of the podcast of us being like strictly hockey when we were blue and gold make Darlene, we had like multiple episodes where the basis of it was essentially, all right, let's brainstorm for how we can get scoring to go up. Do we make goalies pads smaller? Do we increase the net size? Do we go to Olympic size rinks and it's kind of regulated itself. But I also think there's probably a correlation in the fact that the skill level in the league, I feel like is just going up. It does feel that way. Doesn't it? Like right. I'll, I'll give you an example in 83, 84, the league average save percentage was 873. Uh, the first time it wasn't 900 until 94, 95, and then dipped again. And then it, it consistently started being over 900 a couple of years later. And then it worked its way up. It wasn't, it was about, well, it dropped again after, obviously after the lockout and that little post lockout boom. But after the 09, 10 season, it was above 910 pretty consistently and then 14, 15, and 15, 16, it was 915. The last two years, it's 908. Wow. So 
I don't think goalies are getting worse. That's not what usually how sports work. Right. So I would guess skill levels are definitely going up. Teams are focusing on skills more using way fewer plugs. And I guess the other thing would be, I think maybe they're being smarter about where they shoot it from. Maybe okay. um, analytics departments are having some kind of effect in, in that manner. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, this is good news. Uh, we talked about a lot of bad news and things that are right. going bad in hockey. This is good. We're going to have a, a, quite a few guys over hundred. We should have at least two 50 goal scorers this year mm-hmm. and maybe a 60 goal score in Matthews. You might have, looking forward to that. God, how many 40 goal scorers are we going to have? Quite a few, probably. We might right. have a, a real Brady Anderson season from Chris Kreider. Good Lord. Yeah. Chris so Kreider. I don't like in sports when people don't pay attention to trends that are going on currently and are just like, I miss, I miss X. I know I've said this before on here, but. People are like, oh, we need to bring back steroids. Everyone misses home runs. Bro, baseball is way more of a higher percentage of home runs now. What are you talking about? Right. There just yeah. aren't uh, – you won't have a guy that hits 70. Instead, you'll have a couple guys that will hit 50, and then a billion guys that will hit at least 20. Right, right. Like everyone shortstop can hit 20 now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In hockey now, you're just, you just – you don't have more scoring than ever, obviously, but you have more scoring than you did in a while. We're not, we're not sitting through the dead puck era anymore. Right. And look it's at all – there nice. are a lot of exciting guys that don't play for the Buffalo Sabres, like Kirill Kaprizov. That's a guy that just popped onto the scene, and look at how incredible he is. Or guys that like a really cool late bloomer like Mika Zibanejad, who mm-hmm. all of a sudden is just a 30-goal scorer pretty consistently. It's so, amazing to see. It's really cool. I mean, and, and again, like that – helps with expanding the game too, you know, having a more entertaining product. And it's good that it's happening at this time too, when you're talking about, you know, the new TV deal now with ESPN and TNT, I haven't looked into the numbers to see how viewership has been for the, for the deals, but just in general, I mean, it's great. Like for the the sake of wanting to expand the game, people don't want to sit that sit there and watch two to one games or one, nothing games. Maybe that's fun in the playoffs when it's just like constant back and forth, but like, if you're talking about, again, like the dog days of the season, as you're in February and March, you know, you got to keep people's interest here. And I think the best way to do that is absolutely making sure that, you know, you're allowing your star players to be stars. And by doing that, I mean, it's obviously just coming from natural talent. It's not like the league is going out of their way here to, to do anything to increase scoring, but it is absolutely positive, positively a great, great thing. And I honestly just hope it goes up. I mean, you know, you look at the the skill level of the league of, of guys that are coming in now too, with some of these like rookies and second year players who are just redefining what creativity means in, in the NHL. And it's only going to keep getting better. I mean, again, like the, like this upcoming draft is looking to be pretty good. We're for, we've been talking about the 2023 draft the same way with the 2015 draft where it's like two, three years out. You're already like, Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Like, we like people being like, we know for sure that these 15 year old kids are going to be superstars in like three years. I, the, the talent level is just continues to go up and up and up. And it's, it's really exciting. I mean, it's a great time to be a hockey fan. Maybe not for the Buffalo Sabres at this current moment on March 9th, 2022, but maybe someday it will be for us, but just in general, being a hockey fan, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And I think it's just going to lead to again, more eyes on the product. And then eventually when it gets to being crunch time and you're in the playoffs, when, I mean, I think most diehard hockey fans are, are very strong believers that playoff hockey is the best playoffs of all sports. And if you're throwing into the mix, this insane high end talent back and forth action, high scoring games, 
when it really matters and you're going to have more of a reach to people this coming year and for the next 10 years or however long this TV deal is going to go, it's great. Like I'm, I'm hyped about it. It's really, really cool to see. I mean, again, Nick Schmaltz, who isn't a slouch, like he's fine, but like 11 points in two games, come on. It's just nuts. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been, uh, quite interesting here for me. Go on I would say. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Taylor? Oh, one other thing that I think kind of helps, and I think this has helped in other sports as well, having a, a wider array of guys is that, with i don't know modern medicine and a few other new training all the stuff is that guys can extend their careers in some ways and there's way fewer guys that you're losing to injuries like right i've talked about that like here here's random guy x who uh he played in the 70s he was a 60 goal scorer three times and had under 400 goals for his career because he separated his shoulder in age 30 and they had no idea how to fix that so he just right. went and worked at a canning factory like yeah. There's like, you have way fewer examples of that. Right. So you have a lot. So like you have <laughs> your young guys, and then you have, you know, still some guys that are pretty good in the early thirties, even if they don't score as many goals, they're still oh, yeah. aging curves still exist folks, but it's, it's much better to be a, uh, you drop to a, a 0.7 per point per game guy when you play 80 games. And then instead of playing like 42 and retiring right. when you're 32 years old. So, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much all we have for uh, hockey this week, I think. Right. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think uh, this is probably a good place to wrap up. So again, everybody, we'll be back with a new episode on Tuesday. Before we go, Taylor, who is your uh, random former Sabres player of the episode? Hmm. Dixon Ward. Dixon Ward. Wow. Well, I'm going to go with none other than the man that we're all celebrating uh, on Thursday for his return to Buffalo, Braden McNabb. That works. Perfect. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you are checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective streaming platforms that you use along with their websites, social media, wherever you're active online, make sure you're checking them out. Same goes for us. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Straight Up Sabres. There you can also find our personal accounts. With that also, I'll just give a quick add to, I meant to give a plug about this earlier. If you're not doing anything on Friday, my band is having our album release party at Buffalo Ironworks. Come check it out. Going to be a really, really great time. So hopefully we'll see you then. But again, yeah, straight up savers, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are on there. Make sure you're using promo code THPN at checkout for DraftKings to take advantage of great deals that they have there. Again, we'll talk to everybody on Tuesday. Go Sabres. This has been Straight Up Sabres.